Welcome to Behind the Blazer. I'm your host, Scott Sempier. In this episode, I sit down with CBS3 news anchor Yuki Washington. As a founding member of the choir, Yuki describes his memories of what it was to be in the Red Blazer. He describes what was instilled in him from the boys' choir as far as his values, and he also discusses what might lay ahead and what his hopes are for the choir in the future. Enjoy. Behind the Blazer is the official podcast for the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. For over 50 years, the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale has been entertaining audiences near and far as America's ambassadors of song. The Emmy-winning and Grammy-nominated program has toured regions and countries of all inhabited continents, performing for many dignitaries and in many of the world's premier concert venues. This podcast, Behind the Blazer, reveals the stories from the choir through interview format. There's a saying, standing on the shoulders of giants, we are here to recognize the past. And what it is, is we're recognizing the past of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale, and we're recognizing that Yuki Washington himself is one of alumni of the Philadelphia Boys Choir. So I want to recognize the, the hard work and success that you and your choir mates had achieved 51 years ago is the foundation for the choir being what it is today. 51 so. years. Has it been 51 years? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe, isn't it? God, seems like yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, 51 years. But no, yeah, I, those are some great days, man. I'm, I'm honored to be here with you. And I love the concept of Behind the Blazer. And thank you. Thank you for doing that. They're keeping the... The, the, the choir and what it stands for alive the legacy is strong and now you're a part of it and i, I thank you for all you do I thank you it. sure thank you i know that the choir wouldn't be what it is today without that great start that you were a part of so i'm very excited to talk to you about your history with the choir sure sure no problem at all i'm honored to be here i mean this choir is a major part of my life it's, it's in my dna i mean i'll walk down the street and i'll see someone just wearing a red jacket boom I automatically think of my days with the choir back when we started in 1968, um, not too far around the corner from this building that we're in right now here at CBS3, uh, Ben Franklin High School. That's where the auditions were held, and that's where it all started. And you know, the rest, as they say, is history. It's kind of ironic also that the choir uh, headquarters is right across the street from Ben Franklin, basically right across the street from Ben Franklin High School. So we've come full circle wow. and still going strong. Yeah. And still going strong. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Going back to your years as a blazered uh, chorister, hmm. I just want to ask you, what if you can remember what was going through your mind, what were you thinking about when you were going up for an audition? You know, first, I was probably, I was 10 years old, and I was probably thinking, why in the world has my mom put this in my head that she wants me to try this? And I think I knew back then she was giving me, I found out years later, you know, I figured out that she was just giving me different opportunities as a young African-American male growing up in West Philadelphia to have a different outlook on life, different things to do. And she knew that I loved to sing. She was the glee club uh, leader at church, Camphrey United Methodist Church in West Philadelphia. And she thought I could sing a little bit. And, okay. and I did too. I like, I'd like to sing. Sure. But I knew this was on a, a bigger level, even at 10 years old. And 
at the time, there was the All City Boys Choir. Okay. And the All City Boys Choir was 500 boys from all over the city. And I think it was under the direction of uh, Dr. Carlton Lake. Okay. That was his name. And he was the director. Long story short, the Philadelphia School Board, from what I understand, wanted a more elite choir, smaller choir. So they hired Dr. Robert G. Hamilton to come from Pittsburgh down here to Philadelphia. Okay. And to pare down that group of 500 all-city boys yeah. choir and then have auditions, to get it down to an elite number of, of 60. Wow. And Dr. Hamilton did that. I remember going to rehearsal or auditions at Ben Franklin High, and I see all these guys in there that can sing. And I'm thinking, here I am. How am I going to you know, get through this audition with all these talented people, 500 people? But it happened. It happened. I was blessed. Uh, from that day uh, in the summer, I believe it was the summer of 68, when we started, I went up on stage, did my audition, and I became one of 59 uh, and 59 of my closest friends made it that day also, and we went to Mexico City our first year and uh, traveled from there on. But that's where it all started back in 68 and wow. under Dr. Hamilton when he came to pare down that all city choir. Wow, yeah, 500 sounds like it's so cumbersome and it's it's like the size of it. Yeah, and they tra- traveled as well. Uh, I'm not sure how extensively they traveled, uh, if they went overseas or not, but they represented the city and I think did a fine job. As far as I was just 10 years old, I don't know, but I did know. I do know that the uh, school board wanted to pare it down even more to get it down uh, to a lot less members and to do some special things. Moving forward then, once you were in the choir, how long were you there? What did you expect from the choir? I should, I should start with that. I think at that young age, I just expected an opportunity to meet other uh, peers, young men around my age from around the city that I didn't go to school with, that weren't from my neighborhood, to learn about other people's cultures. That's what my parents wanted me to do, just to learn about the human vibe and just to be around other people and have one thing in common. The common denominator was song and to be able to sing. And that was achieved. That was achieved, and I was a member of the choir the first three years of existence. Okay. And I would have been in a fourth year, maybe longer, but I was the first commuter kid of the choir as well. My dad taught at Delaware State University uh, during the week and came home on the weekends. So from seventh grade on through 12th grade, I went to school in Dover with my dad. I came home to Philly on the weekends. So Dr. Hamilton in the choir allowed me just to come to one rehearsal a week, which was on Saturday because I would come home on Saturday. Right. Whereas before I went down to Delaware, we we practiced Wednesday. I'm not sure how they when they practice now, but uh, we did Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's how it still is. is. It still is. Yes. Okay. Yes. We did Wednesdays and Saturdays, so I couldn't make the Wednesdays because I was in in Delaware, obviously in Dover, Delaware. But uh, we got through that. I studied my music. It taught me discipline. It taught me to be prepared mm-hmm. um, as a young man. And I tell people to this very day, and I kind of steal the line from my. Uh, alumni partner Gordon File who was on the video mm-hmm. and if you remember after seeing the video Gordon said when it comes to the people the, the influential people in his life and it's the same for me and probably for everybody who's been in the choir since 1968 first there's God then there's our parents and then there's Dr. Hamilton wow unbelievable unbelievable that man did so much in creating young men, turning boys to men, not to steal from boys to men, you know, from Philly. Well, sure. Who has a member, Sean? 
Sean yes. Stockman. Yes. Um, but maybe who knows? That's maybe where they got the name from. But uh, he certainly did. Dr. Hamilton turned boys into men. And he was the first adult authority figure in our lives other than our parents, guys back then, back then uh, in the day. And we carry that with us to this very, very day. Because you can even see that in that video. When we're uh, when the six of us, I was able to get five other guys who were in the original group, mm-hmm. and we just said, "Hey, our world is changing. Though. We got to we got to do something about it and play our part." And music brought us together. Why can't we let music bring everybody else together? So sure. we did our rendition along with uh, the great artistic director Bill Jolly, who used to work for uh, uh, what was it? Uh, what was uh, Grover Washington Jr. And he was his music director. Bill Jolly was so he got together with us and we did Man in the Mirror and as you saw that turned mm-hmm. it turned out it was just a vision I had uh, executive produced it and my photographer here uh, put it together for me oh, wow. and edited it and it was just a great time and we just felt that vibe we thought we were kids again yeah we went back we went yeah. back and we just started singing and then we were honored Jeffrey Smith uh, the artistic director now was even uh, involved in it with the choir as you saw right. and that was just a great feeling for us very good. That, it, it looked like you had a wonderful time. For those of you who are unaware, uh, Yuki is talking about a YouTube video that uh, he produced in, to prepare for the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of the Philadelphia Boys Choir. And, and it really did look like a wonderful reunion and a, a great really event was. for you. We got a great response from it. Here's what the conversation sounded like when Yuki reunited with some of his fellow choristers in anticipation of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale's 50th anniversary. This choir has changed our lives. Big time. Changed our lives. Big time. 50 years. Oh, that's right. We are truly blessed. But the thing was, when we got into the choir, it, it just opened us up to a whole Ooh. new world. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. And what would a reunion of choir mates be without singing? No, segment, of course, was begun by the original choristers who were then joined by the choir. And now we return to the interview with CBS3 anchor and Philadelphia Boys Choir's own Yuki Washington. Can you tell me your favorite story? I'm sure you have a plenty of stories in your your time with the choir, but I'm, I'm thinking that those three years mm-hmm. as a boy with a blazer, can you think of one really standout moment where you were like, wow, this is the Philadelphia Boys Choir, or this is me as part of the Philadelphia Boys Choir. The serious moment when I knew that we were representing not only Philadelphia, but our country was the year we went, and it might have been the, the second year of existence, we went to Moscow. We went to Russia. Oh, wow. And we performed all over Moscow. We made friends with the uh, Russian Boys Choir. We went to Poland, too, the Poznan Boys Choir. But when we were in Moscow, we went to Red Square. We stayed at a hotel that was 
right on Red Square. And back then, Lennon's tomb was right there on Red Square. I, I'm not sure if it is now. They may have moved it. Um, but as a choir, we marched through Red Square in a single file and just looking at the soldiers and the people. It was a great day. And here we are representing Philadelphia and music and our country going through the Soviet Union, seeing the body of one of the Soviet Union's leaders uh, who was embalmed in a glass casket as we walked by it. Because everybody, a lot of tour people would tour through that. But that just gave me, walking with my peers and my, and my choir mates, a sense of pride that we were here we are in another country and they are listening to us sing and they are allowing us to see one of their leaders. Um, it was entombed in this glass case and that, that was just, I'll never forget that as a child. I can still see it today, uh, walking through that and just uh, representing and standing for the United States in that, in that, uh, in the Red Square and in that tomb. That was, that was just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And I know a lot of the guys today that were in that first year of the choir, first two years will almost say the same thing. That was just a powerful moment to walk through that and see him because we know the background of Russia even sure. then and now. Yeah. Then and now. And just to be accepted as uh, here we are, these young people who could sing from another country, just to be accepted the way we were at that time and representing our area. That was that was very important to me. And I've kind of, I've carried that with me for all my life. Sure. Yeah. That, I mean, that's in the midst of the Cold War, of course. Yes, and, you got it. And um, an integrated choir, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I can only imagine how powerful that is all those years ago. It, no it doubt about it. No doubt about it. Paints and quite I, the picture. And learning the language, too. I, I'll still sing, on occasions, some of the uh, songs from Russia. Uh, Kalinka and uh, was a couple of others that we did, and they just come back. They just come back like it, almost learned them yesterday. Not quite, for sure, <laughs> but close. Sure. We had to work so hard to get them right. That's right, exactly right. And they made sure we got them right because we didn't want them in the audience to you know give those faces like what are they singing? That nice try, <laughs> but they were very appreciative and said we did a great job as a chorister. Did you have any solos? Was that part of the boys' choir back then? Um, do you remember having solos? And if so, I got. Uh, I'm still mad about. I'm so angry about that. Really? Very angry. Very angry. <laughs> With a smile on my face. <laughs> right. Right. Um, there were the occasional solos. Sure. Um, not as much as there are. Not as many as there are now. Uh, just very limited. Very limited. But we did the Music Man, seventy-six trombones and all that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the part of Professor Harold Hill, who, and that was the lead solo right. of all the songs that we did. And I, I can't remember, did I try? Yeah, I tried out for it. But a fellow by the name of John Lee got the role, got the part. Okay. And that stuck with me forever, forever. And then as I, when I came back home in 86 and I reconnected with the choir, I've done about four, five, six solos with them okay. you know, as a as an adult. Mm-hmm. And every time I, I do or I get the opportunity, I always think back to, I should have had the music man. That was me. <laughs> that was me. I wanted to do that. But John Lee did an incredible job as Professor Harold Hill. And uh, we did just about all the songs to the music man uh, movie and play. And Shirley Jones was in it, in the music original music man. Mm-hmm. Ron Howard was the little guy. You know, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. That was Ron Howard, the director. 
Um, but we did all of those songs, but uh, Professor Harold Hill was the leader of the band, and John Lee got that part. But uh, but that was the only chance I had at a solo. And one of the few solos that we did that was a part of one of our programs. But John Lee got that, and once again, he did an incredible job. So I guess it, it, it kind of panned out because I was blessed enough to be the first. I don't know if they still have the Choir Boy of the Year. Yes. They do? I believe so. Okay, I was the very first Choir Boy of the Year. Oh, wow. And uh, and that was an honor that I still have the plaque. That was an honor that I'll always hold close to my heart. And uh, that was a special moment when I received that and thank the guys for it. And that was cool. That was very cool. Still is. The rejection from the solo still affects you. How does it, how do you <laughs> use it now? Do you use it at all? You said you use it, gives, it in the solo. It gives me a, a sense of pride and strength. Like if something doesn't go my way, that there's always another plan. There's plan B. Um, my mom always told me I grew up in a, in a Christian home. She always said, and she'll say to this day, if something doesn't happen for you, it wasn't meant to be. You just have to go to find the next round and be just as good as that. Um, so I, I do that. If I don't get the interview now that I was hoping for, I'll think out of the box and find another way to do an interview that might be comparable, that might even be better, that kind of a thing. Um, it, it taught me a lot as far as self-esteem and pride, not getting that solo many, many years ago. But when I do have my chance, it always taught me to give it my absolute best. And if something goes wrong, then you just make up for it next time around. But uh, it, it put a sense of pride in me that, that lives will live with me forever. That's wonderful. There's no doubt about it. That's... No doubt about it. I thank John Lee for that, too. <laughs> yeah. <My man. laughs> That's great. You've sung for the choir on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. You've what other engagements have you had with the choir since your time? Oh, boy. Gee, let's see. Um, well, I host a, as far as not singing, I host the UK Washington uh, golf tournament that helps raise funds for the choir. That's every year in May. I think we just passed the 25th year. I don't get to play because it's always May is a rating sweep and I always have to be at work. But I always like to come out and see some of the participants. So I'm involved with the choir that way. And I've sung, I sang at the Irvine Auditorium with them during the Christmas holidays a number of years ago. Um, and I did a solo then, and the choir backed me up. Uh, what else have I done? Besides the uh, the video, I've done about two or three diff- two or three different occasions where I have been the standout, the in front, uh, the lead man, if you will, and the choir would back me up. And that's all because of Jeff and, and Bob Hamilton. Okay. Knowing that I still love to sing and it's a chance uh, for me to continue to spread the word. I try to talk about the choir every chance that I get. Right. And the opportunities that it provides uh, young boys and men. Uh, the men's choir started three years after we started the choir. Okay. And I was involved with that only for about three months. The first tour that the men took, I believe, was, was Africa. Okay. And I didn't make that tour because, you know, here I am. I was like 13. The voice had just basically changed to a man's voice. I had a little girlfriend. I was down in, in, in Dover, Delaware. Mm-hmm. And I was more into the uh, sports scene. I, I took up, you know, basketball. Okay. And so, and then that traveling back and forth at the time got to be a little tough as I was growing older. So I was in only the first two or three months of the men's corral. Okay. But from that day forward, from that month to this very day, they have got, they're going strong. They're going strong. That's one thing that I, that I regret. I wish I had the time back then to remain in the choir. 
uh, for as long as I could have because, you know, with my line of work here, it's very transient line of work here. I was in Fort Myers, Florida. I was in Richmond, Virginia. So I couldn't have stayed with the choir forever. Sure. Which I would have loved to do. Uh, you know, life moves on. Life right. moves on. But even in those two or three months with the men's chorale, uh, of, the, of the origins of the men's chorale, men's chorale, I knew big things were going to happen for this choir at age 13, 14, whatever I was. But I also knew I had to find my own life. Right. So I ended up staying in Dover with my dad as long as I could mm-hmm. and still commuting a little bit. Then I went to University of Richmond on the college scholarship, basketball scholarship, got into TV my senior year in college, and I've been doing tele- television ever since. So everything happens for a reason. Sure. Everything happens for a reason. Um, but even when they got the choir was just here, choir and chorale, doing their Christmas concert. Right. And they're going to be on television during the holidays, either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I'm mm-hmm. not sure when this will run. But I, was, I caught the tail end of that. I had to speak. I had to be an MC that night for Jefferson Hospital. So that was the first time in about seven or eight years that I had missed their whole performance. I always like to say hi. But I caught the very tail end. I met your son right. at the tail end of that when I came back from that performance. But uh, their choir, as you can tell, is a major, major, major part of my life. You've just been such a champion for the boys' choir. And every time I, I see on CBS3, the Philadelphia Boys' Choir, they were earning their blazer. Your face is on there, and you're just bubbling with Oh, excitement. yeah. It's, yeah, because I'll tell you what, earning that blazer is something special. We just had that on the air not too long ago. Right. Um, what do they call that? The, the ceremony. The uh, blazer ceremony. The bla- okay. Plain and simple. The blazer ceremony. And I was just so honored to have that on the air and to talk about it and to see those young men because they have no idea what's ahead of them. They will form memories and friends for the rest of their lives just from earning that red blazer. And it kind of hit me about, let me see, I've been here 33 years now. So it hit me about eight years ago. Jeff and a couple, few members of the choir came on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was during the holidays or not, but it was my 25th anniversary at the oh, time okay. here at, at Channel 3. And they came on and sang, and after they sang, they presented me with a 44-long red blazer Oh wow! with the insignia on it. The uh, Philadelphia Boys wow. Choir, and it was like all over again. The waterworks started. <laughs> I was like, no, no, oh my gosh! So that was that was that was a, that was another proud moment when yeah. it comes to this choir. Yeah, them presenting me with that blazer. I still have that blazer today, and I, I wear it whenever I came. Not too many places you can wear sure a red boys choir blazer. Sure, but uh, if it has anything to do with the choir, I'll definitely put it on and represent. That's what it's all about. And I know all of the alumni that came after me. Uh, and after us, that original group, I'm sure they would do the very same thing. And I know they talk about the choir uh, with so much love and so much passion. As a matter of fact, I do a lot of uh, movie features. Uh, mm-hmm. And I go out to Los Angeles or New York to talk to actors and preview their films, that kind of thing. Okay. That keeps my mind off the homicides and the politics and everything else that's going into the world. Sure. But I enjoy doing that. Yeah. And I'm going to say it was maybe five to ten years ago, I'm not sure. But I got picked up at the airport in Los Angeles by a driver. Uh, you know, the limo, the whole thing, because I forgot who I was talking to. But as we started talking, I told him I was from Philly. Hey, I'm from Philly. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. We started talking sports. And he said, and the guy that was driving the car said, yeah, I used to sing, too. I said, what did you sing? He told me what part he used to sing. I said, did you ever do it as a kid? He said, yeah, I was in the Philadelphia Boys Choir. I said, stop the car. Stop the car. Here I am. It's such a small world. Yeah. I forgot his name. But he was in the choir maybe about 10 years after me, okay. 10 to 12 years after me. He told me where he traveled. And it was it was the first time I had gotten in the car with this man, first time I met this man. 
Right. And we bonded like brothers. And that's what happens. Wow. That's what happens over the years. We bonded. Matter of fact, I think after he got me to the hotel, we sat in the car for another 15, 20 minutes just talking about days in the choir. That's great. And it, it was it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. It sounds like it's a fraternity in a lot of oh, ways. Oh, it really is. It's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity, which we even said on the video, mm-hmm. uh, in the Man in the Mirror video. It is a brotherhood. It's a, it's, it's a family. I use the word family a lot ever since I've been in this business. And that choir is that choir is my second family. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And everybody who comes who has come after me, it's it's a second family because we all have the same experiences. We all have the same common denominator: singing, performing, representing our city, mm-hmm. our nation. And no matter what business, the young men in the choir and the and the men that are in the crowd, no matter what business they're in, it always comes back to the choir. It always comes back to the choir and how that has influenced them in a positive way. I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's no one who can say the the choir was a negative experience. No one that I know. Absolutely not. No question about it. It develops people, young people into men, and it always will. And it's in good hands now with uh, Jeff Smith, no doubt. Can you put words to the values that you learned from Dr. H and from being in in the voice choir that you carry through to this day? I'd say the values that I've learned is trust. There's no doubt about that. Uh, perseverance. I've learned how to communicate with others. I've learned the value of of loving one another, uh, no matter where you come from, what you look like, uh, what you've done in your life. Um, we're all on this earth for a reason. And I tell people every night, I say goodnight family. When I talk about the choir being family, uh, that's just another aspect, another facet in this diamond that I talk about. Family, we're all children of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned from being in that choir. And now for a segment known as High Notes Highlights in History. In this segment, we look back upon music history to describe an influential player or contributor to music, and we highlight their impact. On April 15, 1729, or maybe April 11, 1727, One of the greatest works ever composed was premiered in Leipzig, Germany. The immense Matthäus Passion, St. Matthew Passion by Johann Sebastian Bach, lay dormant for a century until a 20-year-old rediscovered it and premiered it for the first time outside of Leipzig to a stunned audience. That 20-year-old was Felix Mendelssohn, and that performance is credited for not only rekindling an appreciation for Bach's work, but also the wider historically informed performance movement as a whole. This has been High Notes Highlights in History. Now, back to the interview. I've learned just so much in how I carry myself uh, in every day of life, in every day of life, how I dress, how I speak, uh, how I do the news, how I breathe. It's unbelievable. I do the news every night, and I still use diaphragmatic breathing that we did in the choir. Can you explain? Oh, diaphragmatic breathing. Sure. Sure. Well, I'll do it by example, um, or give you an example. Dr. Hamilton, when he first described the diaphragm to us, the portion of your body near your stomach, um, he put a, we'd lay down on a table and he tell us to breathe. And most people, whether you're standing up or laying on the table, when you inhale, your shoulders rise and you take the, the breath in your lungs. Like that. Whereas in diaphragmatic breathing, and you can hold your notes in speech a lot longer if you push out your diaphragm, which is 
in the stomach area and then slowly bring out the words, whether it's in song or whether it's in speech, on one small breath like that. And he taught us how to breathe through our nose. So when we were on the table, he put a book on our stomach and he'd say, breathe. And if that book didn't rise, like two or three inches, when you went like that, you weren't doing it correctly. If you were on the table and you took a deep breath, your chest would fill up and the book and the book would slide off, would slide off your stomach because your chest was rising and there was an incline going down. Okay. But if you, and I'm breathing through my nose like fast, I don't do that on the air because that'd be kind of noticeable. <laughs> I've learned how to like, like calm it down a little bit. Sure. But when you breathe through your nose in a quick breath and push out your diaphragm, that book on the table, that book would rise up, go straight up. And that means you're using your diaphragm correctly. And that will, in turn, give you more air to breathe and to hold your notes and to speak longer. And I still use that to this very day when I'm on television. I breathe diaphragmatically because of what was taught to me some 50 years ago. And it's helped me tremendously. Because a lot of people will run out of air uh, when they talk or take, like, uh, speaking short sentences or short words and have to breathe to continue their thought process. But because I breathe diaphragmatically, sometimes, and now I can do it, it just happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. I just happen. I don't have to accentuate it through the nose. I can breathe through my mouth. And you can't even tell that I'm getting more air to, you know, to talk even further. And sometimes on days when we have breaking news and we have to talk a very long time, uh, that comes in handy. It really, really does. But I learned between breathing and just being a good person, uh, that has like uh, stayed with me forever and will stay with me forever no doubt about it because of this choir that's wonderful yeah I enjoy it thank you so what would you say to someone who's interested in auditioning for the Philadelphia Boys Choir maybe they might have some reservations uh, maybe they don't think they're good enough or whatever there might be in the way what would you say to someone who's who's considering it at least do it two words do it because if you make it and if you believe in yourself and you make it you will never regret it you will remember it for the rest of your life it's an experience gee it's an experience that a lot of people in this world will never get to have especially as a young young person anywhere from age 10 to 13 um this is special back in the day it was like oh he's a choir boy or he's you know he's singing that's not that's not the thing to do. That kind of—it's the thing to do. It really, really is. Uh, it, de- it develops you in so many ways. In so many ways, uh, times have changed. It's a whole different world now, and the choir nowadays is so much more uh, talented, I think, than we were. We were very, very good. Sure. Now, the choir is excellent. I mean. Excellent. Only, and one reason why I think is because when we were 10, and 13, 10 to 13 years of age, when we were just starting the choir, I'd say, it's just a guess, I'd say 99% of us could not read a note. It was all on ear training and okay. physical and talent. Um, I mean, to this day, I can, I play guitar, I play piano, but I don't play much because I'm limited. Mm-hmm. I, I had a good ear and I still have a decent ear. I would hear something and I could repeat it, uh, whether it's song, whether it's on the piano, um, to a limited, I guess, a limited performance. But I could get the majority of people would know what I was playing. Right. 
and that was back in the day. Now I want to guess and say 99% of the choir can read music, and that opens up so many doors to other artists, other works that they can do, mm-hmm. uh, and how and the speed that they can do it. I mean, I was just floored when we did Man in the Mirror, and Bill Jolly printed out the music to Man in the Mirror in the part in the parts, like three or four different parts for everyone to sing because they were going to back us up. Jeff Smith had those guys doing that thing in like 10, 15 minutes. Really? I was, I was, I was just floored. <laughs> That's he, amazing. He put, whereas back in the day, I mean, we could get it. It wouldn't take us 10 or 15 minutes, but it would probably take us maybe two rehearsal sessions. Maybe. Okay. But because uh, Dr. Hamilton would play it for us, we'd memorize it and look at the notes and know whether to go up or down or up or down, that kind of thing. Sure. But now, Jeff did that the other day or a couple of years ago. I was just absolutely floored because the world the world has changed the the choir has changed the abilities have changed, but all for the better, all for the better. And those young men, I just had to sit down and say, and I pointed, did you hear these guys? <laughs> they just picked that up, and then you saw the result. I thought they did an excellent job with this. It was a very well done yeah, video, yeah. and and the yeah the whole singing and everything. If I could turn back the clock, I'd learn how to read music. I really would. I'd learn how to read music and play maybe a couple of other uh, instruments. And, and maybe if you had learned how to read music, you would have gotten that solo. You, you, you were reading my mind. I was going to race. I was like, John Lee, I would have had you, man. I would have had you. That's funny. So I guess the really one of the last questions I have for you is what is your hope for the future for the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale? That the legacy continues forever. I hope, I hope they have another 50 plus years. Um, and that's going to take a lot of people who are dedicated to song, who are dedicated to the ambassadors of song here in Philadelphia, who are dedicated to young men, uh, young boys who want to spread uh, the arts of music, whether it's singing, whether it's instrumental, the arts are just so important. I want music to stay in the schools uh, as much as possible. But this choir, we've, we've set the standard. We've set the standard now since 1968. We're known all over the world. I mean, you have your Poznan Boys Choir, the Vienna Boys Choir, Moscow. Uh, and we also, and I can't forget them, we have a girls' choir now. Yes. we have, And they are outstanding. They are outstanding. And I'm going to give some love to the guys in the green jackets, the Keystone <laughs> State. Isn't it Keystone, right? Yes. Keystone Boy Choir. Um, it's funny. I don't know if you remember. I was I tease, uh, what was Bobby's last name? Bobby, he sang for the Pope in... 2015, 2015, when the Pope was here, there was a lull in the program, and Bobby got up there, and he did a solo, because mm-hmm. they needed some time, and it was he sang like an angel. And then he came up, I said, i got to get that guy, I gotta, he's got to come on the, on the air. We got him up, and then he told me he was in the in the Keystone State Board Choir. <laughs> I said, nope, nope, you're out. <laughs> I started teasing him, he started laughing. But we helped spawn the uh, that choir as well. Okay. Uh, I think some of the... Uh, Directors that were with the boys' choir went off and, and started that choir, but I always remember Bobby's last name to give him some some pub. But he's 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 doing records now and he's he's doing very well. But the fact that young people are singing, I don't care where you're from, what choir you're with, whether it's in church, whether it's the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Men's Choral, what have you, the art of singing is such a special art, a special thing, and a special gift mm-hmm. to be able to have. It is a gift from God. There's no doubt about it. And when you can share that gift. Uh, with others here in the city and around the world. That's just a special thing and it's something you will hold in your heart forever. And I know I will. There's no doubt about it. Very good. 
Was there anything else that you'd like to add that I might not have been able to cover in the questions or anything, uh, anything else? Let's say, oh, I got to give some, maybe some love to the uh, to the parents, like yourself, for getting the young people involved because that's that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work and a, and a lot of dedication uh, to be able to take these young men to rehearsals, to be able to support them, you know, at performances to let them know that what they're doing is a great thing and to believe in them when they see that their parents believe in them that goes a long way long way my dad passed about a year ago he had 98 incredibly blessed years and i know some of those years um that he cherished the most were his were the boys choir years wow. there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it he took pride in taking to me to rehearsals or to concerts that kind of thing and my mom to this day, she's 94 now, and uh, she'll mention the choir from time to time. She'll ask how Dr. Hamilton is, because okay. uh, we go back. Dr. Hamilton just called me the other day, uh, which was really nice. He called me while I was on air. He's in Florida, <laughs> and I, I couldn't pick it up, but I saw it was him, and I got excited. Yeah, I like, yeah. Maybe I got that solo after all. <laughs> He's calling me back now. He's calling me back. But uh, he called me because he saw something on uh, social media, the uh, Philly Pops Brass Quintet. Quintet was here. Okay. And every year I either like to sing with them off camera or direct them. What's one thing I learned about Bob Hamilton? I, I love to direct. Even though I can't read music, I know the song, mm-hmm. the certain uh, performances that they do. And I know what comes in where, when, when to be quiet. And they get a kick out of that. Matter of fact, I directed the Philly Pops one year over at the Kimball Center. And I think they really enjoyed that because they were kind of shocked. They're like, whoa, this guy's <laughs> what he's doing. But uh, I sang with the Philly Pops. And Dr. Hamilton heard that on somebody recorded it for social media. Sure, I did the Christmas song, uh, Nat King Cole's version, kind of thing. They oh. they did their uh, you know the five brass instruments, and you can really hear me. And a couple times I was I felt bad because if I said Dr. Hamilton saw it, I know I was like like struggling at one point trying to sing over the musicians because they didn't mm-hmm. know they get quiet. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a nice moment. It was a nice moment. We got a lot of reaction from it, and you know social media these days. Right. He saw it, and he called me. And to say, hey, great job. I taught you everything you know, that kind of thing. So I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad he's doing it. Right, right. Don't forget. <laughs> I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad he's doing well. He's, uh, I think Bob might be, maybe around 82 now. Because I think on our 50th anniversary, he was 80. What was it the year before? But he's in his early 80s now. Okay. And, uh, and Jeff took over, you know, and just did a fine, is doing a fine, fine, fine job. He reminds me a lot of Dr. Hamilton. He really does. When it comes to keeping the guys in line. Yes. Showing them discipline, mm-hmm. um, being a, a, a teacher, a mentor, right. and Jeff is doing that now, just like Bob Hamilton did for so many of us. Yes, and, uh, and your son is in good hands. Trust me. Well, thank you. I, I do see hands. it myself. You know, yeah. just the four years I've been involved, um, I've seen how he keeps that discipline and the respect, and the, yeah. the kids, the choristers, just keep their eyes glued to him. And that's. That's the key because he and Jeff, a former choir member himself, mm-hmm. uh, learned that from Bob Hamilton. Because there are a couple times I got a was it last year? Because it wasn't this year; it was late. But I was at the event here at the uh, Great Hall when they were doing their Christmas performance, and a couple of guys, the eyes were wandering a little bit. And and being the former choir guy that I am, and the instruction I had, I would I gave them the, the two fingers. I looked in their eyes and said. <laughs> and they, yeah. they went right back to Jeff. And for those of you listening, I'm pointing toward their eyes, 
then I pointed the two fingers over to Jeff, like, keep your eyes on the director. And they did. Right. And I'm saying, and I did it like in a stern look. Yeah. They're like, oh, Yuki's upset at me. <laughs> I'm in his house. No, but that, and that's, that's so important when it comes to being successful with this choir. That's just part of the, uh, that's just part of the puzzle when it comes to figuring things out as a member of this choir, this great world renowned Philadelphia Boys Choir and Men's Chorale. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Yuki Washington, the news anchor for CBS3 Philadelphia. This has been another podcast of Behind the Blazer, and I'm your host, Scott Sempier. And a great job you're doing too, young man. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, excellent. <laughs> Wait a minute, I need this gig. Don't be too good now. <laughs> Come on, man. Thank you. This has been a podcast of Behind the Blazer, the official podcast of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. To buy tickets for the next performance, support, hire the choir, or audition, go to our website at phillyboyschoir.org.